Vegas Nation podcasts are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang. Today, join with Pro Football Networks and Cummings. He's a draft analyst. I'm so happy to have him here on the show. We're going to break down what all the takes are that he has, what could happen with the Las Vegas Raiders, number seven pick overall in the first round of the NFL draft. Before we get to Ian, I'm going to make sure that we thank our sponsors, Station Casinos, STN Sports. Make sure you download that app today. We're also presented to you on Blue Wire Networks. All right, Ian. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here on the show today. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. You know, we're less than a month out now. We're finally on the home stretch. It's, it feels like it's been, you know, it's been a whirlwind, right? A lot of tape watching, but all of a sudden it's right there on the doorstep. So it's a, it's an exciting time for sure. I still can't get enough of tape watching. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people. I just love to digest it. I love to watch it wherever it is. I'm going to click yeah. it. <laughs> I was doing the pro day rundowns on the quarterbacks. Now I'm on to cornerbacks. And then I got to get into the defensive tackles, which is one of the areas that I know the Raiders really need to look at. You have a big um, generational type player and Jalen Carter right at the top there, but there's also cornerbacks, Christian Gonzalez. There's also the quarterback conversation. So when you start looking at the Raiders needs, what do you think would be if they say it's seven, their first pick off the board, granted that it's there? Yeah, it's a tough conversation and you kind of let into it well. I mean, of all the teams picking that early, you know, the Raiders are kind of one of the hardest ones to predict because they have needs all across the board. You know, there's not a ton of positions on that roster that I would look at and say, you know, I can't upgrade that. Right. You know, there's somewhere maybe you have a good stopgap, right? A player that, you know, wouldn't necessarily like force you into a corner at that point. But, you know, if there's a prospect that you really like at a certain position and you can upgrade, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to do it across the board. Quarterback is still on the table even with Jimmy G, you know, if Will Levis is there, I feel like that's a conversation you have to have just because the upside he provides and, you know, that division, the competition that you're facing. But at number number seven overall, you know, I look at Christian Gonzalez as one one of the top options for them at corner. He's my CB1, a top five prospect for me. And I think especially in that zone-heavy scheme, you know, he's one of the guys who, when I think of a zone corner, you know, smooth athleticism and space, route recognition, you know, instincts, ball skills, he's got all that too. Very good explosiveness and closing speed. So, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes for me. And then I know right tackle is a potential need for them. They re-signed Jermaine Illuminor, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And they have Brandon Parker, who played there a couple seasons ago before he... uh, suffered a season-ending injury I don't know if either of those guys are long-term solutions though and it's such a premier position let's say a guy like Paris Johnson Jr. is there you know he's proven that he can play left or right phenomenal athlete really I think he's got 36 inch arms right so he's insanely powerful the upside is through the roof and again it's at a high value position so it's like you know if I don't have a long-term solution there maybe I should take that if Gonzalez isn't off the board but you know, it just goes to show you go down the list. There's a lot of options for them at that point. And you mentioned Jalen Carter. He's a potential option, too. I mean, it, every team is going to have a different discussion regarding the off field stuff with him. But, you know, you take that out of play. He's a top three talent in the in the class. You know, he's one of the most disruptive defenders, just bar none. Right. He's got the explosiveness, the power, the natural leverage. So it's a conversation to have, I think, for the Raiders in particular at number seven, you know, before they pick there's a lot of different ways that the board can play out and that's going to dictate part of what they do there, but they have options. And, you know, depending on how it falls, a pretty good chance a good player is going to be there for them. 
Right. In my heart, I hate the conversation at Jalen Carter just because of yeah. the fact that uh, the things that happened and transpired, but I don't want to condemn yeah. the man either. And at the same time, it's a difficult situation, like you said, coming into Vegas with that um, past and the reckless driving history and what have you. Well, we know what the, the incident was where two people lost their lives. And so mm -hmm. that's where I... I struggle with that, but I still feel that he's one of those guys that I think will probably actually go earlier than number seven. And then takes that off of the Raiders hands and having to try to answer that question for themselves. But my question in all of that for you about Jalen Carter is the pro day. When you see the pro day and he's kind of folding himself between the bags and he's not really going through it all and he's gained the heavy weight and obviously he's got all of this other outside and external pressure on them. How much would weight as a, a analyst would you put on what you saw in the pro day versus what you've seen from him on, on film? Mm -hmm. It's a tough conversation for an analyst, right? Because I think, yeah. you know, one thing that, you know, it's, it's, there's something that you don't know there. Like, why did he gain the weight? Why mm -hmm. did he look more sluggish? You know, what's going on with him, right? And unfortunately, being an NFL draft analyst, there's some answers that you can't get that NFL teams might have more resources to, you know, pursue, right? Like, what's going right. on with him? Can we meet with him in person, talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, see what's going on? Because, you know, you mentioned the crash, an unfortunate event. It's one of those things I try not to speak on it definitively because we really don't know, you know, what happened. And you know, there's still some legal proceedings. I think he got acquitted, if I remember correctly. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you don't have all the answers, don't speak on it. Right. But, you know, speaking as a young adult myself, you know, that can have an effect on your mental health, which can have an effect on your preparation. Right. So you need to be open minded to that as well. Right. So I think it's going to be one of those things where he's still a young guy. He's progressing and you know maybe he's made some mistakes in the past but you know each nfl team is gonna try and meet with him i would hope and each team in consideration for picking him would you know i'd hope meet with him one-on-one -on -one, talk to him and get a read on you know character is complex and you really need to get down to the root of it so i think the pro day for me you know weighing it against the tape the tape yeah. is pretty it's pretty phenomenal. It really is. I mean, at his best, he's a phenomenal talent. Like you said, you know, he's got near generational upside as a three tech. I think, you know, for me, he's one of the few blue chip talents in this class. And uh, and if he pro day isn't really going to change that for me, you know, it's different for a guy like Kayshawn Boutte, who okay. there have been red flags for him throughout the entire process. And now he doesn't, you know, perform in his pro day. Then it's like, all right, what's going on here? But Jalen Carter, you know, for two years, for the better part of two years, he was the most dominant force on a stacked Georgia defense, right? So you look at that, you know, it's one of those things where with everything that's going on with him, first, you got to make the assertion, you know, are we willing to take him with this stuff going on? Have we right. determined that, you know, it's not a reflection of his character? He's just a young guy who's still maturing, right? And we can work with that, right? And once you get past that, you're like, all right, the causes of his poor pro day, you know, can we counteract that? Is that something he can, you know, come away from? And I think that's something that each NFL team is going to have to determine because they're the only ones that have the resources to really find those answers. Yeah. Uh, as you look for another prospect, you mentioned Will Levis, right? And I wanted to go to just the tape on this one where you mm -hmm. see a guy in 2021 who had a great season, right? Everything was going well for him. Then you go to 2022's tape and it's not as great as a, a little bit more concerning. When you try to compare those two years for Will Levis, what was it about the 2022 season that changed and how he dealt with that? Yeah. 
there's a dichotomy there for sure. You know, and uh, you have to bring up the changes in scenery, right? You know, changed offensive coordinator, you know, lost a few weapons on offense. Wandale Robinson being the most notable one at wide receiver, yeah. lost a few offensive linemen, right? I think Darian Kennard was drafted by the Chiefs, you know, so Luke Fortner to the Jaguars. So he lost a lot of supporting talent and, and to, you know, go on with that, the shift in coordinators, you know, all of that kind of kind of underlaid a sense of on on instability for him heading into the year. And, you know, on top of that, too, he was dealing with injuries throughout the entire season. You know, he was pretty beat up and, you know, carrying his team on his back. So I don't want to I don't want to go out on a limb and act like I'm making excuses for him because I think it is two sided. You know, he dealt with a lot of change and that can be tough. But at the same time, when he had opportunities to show linear growth from the previous season, he didn't show it. Right. So it's the part of the onus is on Will Levis to kind of work through that and show that growth. And, you know, he didn't quite show that there were still issues with the field vision and processing at times, you know, anticipation over the middle of the field, a late trigger that can you know render some of his passes more risky. And, you yeah. know, that's something you want to iron out. And he didn't quite show that. Now, you acknowledge that the setting that he was in wasn't really conducive to growing through that, right? And you'd like to hope that if you give him the proper support in the NFL, that he can take the necessary steps. And then you look at the arm talent, right, at the pro day. I mean, that was pretty much, that's pretty, pretty distinct. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, the, a flick of the wrist and it goes 40 yeah. to 50 yards. So no one's, no one is, you know, discussing the arm talent. No one is, you know, contesting that. It's it's there. It's one of the best arms in the class, if not the best arm in the class. And he's a good athlete too. He's tough. You know, you talk to him, he's personable, you know, he's likable. He's got good character by all accounts. So it's just one of those things where you take the context into account. He was dealing with change. He didn't show the necessary growth. And that's something that might weigh him down for a guy, you know, against a guy like Anthony Richardson, who, you know, has a, a unicorn level ceiling. And yeah. he did show some some flashes of growth. He's still very much, you know, a work in progress. But you see the the progression work, the processing in the pocket. Right. It's streaky, but it is there. You know, the trend up, the, the upward trajectory that you can project into the future is there more so than it is with Levis. Now, for an NFL team. You know, the whole thing is projective, so it doesn't close the book on Levis. It's just like it's a little more risky. Right. But if we have the proper infrastructure, we can make him what he can be. And at his ceiling, he can be a very good quarterback. So I think, you know, you take it into account, but you also have to be aware of the upside. And if you're willing to bank on it, take the pull the trigger. I love that you're contrasting and comparing them because that's actually a few of the things that I had on in store for you here. And in terms of Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis, if they're both at seven, let's say they're both available right there. I think Anthony Richardson right now, based off of the combine performance, probably doesn't last there. But if he does for some reason, what would who would you pick at that point? Yeah, I would lean Richardson. I think, um, you know, they're both you can make the upside argument with both guys. And that's something that we've seen throughout the entire process. Will Levis, phenomenal arm talent, very elastic arm on top of the arm strength that he can push it down the field. Anthony Richardson is kind of similar. You know, I think Levis's release is a little more compact, a little more efficient, but Richardson is still one of those guys who, you know, a flick of the wrist and it's going 40 yards. I mean, very, you know, I like to define arm strength as the ease with which you generate velocity. Like anyone okay. can generate high velocity, but some guys with smaller arms are straining more, right? And they do max out at a certain point. And then other guys like Josh Allen, like he doesn't even have to put any effort into it. And the ball is just sailing into the deep third past the defensive back. So it's those guys who, you know, when you encounter pressure in the NFL, you need to be able to generate that velocity, you know, as well as you do when you're not encountering pressure. And, and Levis, Richardson, they have those arms. Now, they're both good athletes, right? They're both baseline, you know, start there. They're good athletes. But Richardson is a different brand of athlete than Levis. He's a different brand of athlete than Josh Allen, Cam Newton even. I mean, this guy, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. 4-4-3, 40-yard dash. 
40 and a half inch vertical, 10-8 broad jump at six foot four, okay. 244. I mean, this guy's a tank with with right. rocket propellers on his on his shoes, right? But you know, it's it, it sounds like hyperbole, but you watch the tape and the explosiveness in open field. The foot speed—that's a—that's one that I like to use. It sounds a little vague, right, on on the surface, but it, it does matter. You know how quickly can he reset and redirect? And he's very twitchy. You know, you can mm-hmm. see he can change directions very well for his size. He's not one of those lumbering six foot four guys. Like Josh Allen's a great athlete, but in space, he's more of a linear guy. You know, you see him hurdling guys. He's not going to make you miss. Juke you out of your shoes. Richardson can do that, and he, he can truck through you too. So, you know, Richardson legitimately provides just rare upside we 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 you rarely see a runner like this people talk about justin fields like that after his season last year i think that's the the kind of impact that richardson can have as a runner and that's something you can build around early you know unlike with levis he's a good athlete linear athlete in space but not quite to the level where you can you can construct an offense and feature that running ability richardson has that and then on top of that he's young he's only 21 years old uh in contrast with levis who's 24 right so a little bit older again it's not a huge issue because you know he's got a long shelf life right they're both young but richardson has a longer developmental track for you so i think you know looking at all those factors i would lean richardson i i think they're both good qb prospects but richardson for me the upside is just especially when you have garoppolo as a bridge to help ease him in he doesn't have to start right away i think that's a great situation for him provided that you keep building that offense Love it. As we speak about quarterbacks, I want to ask you about one in particular, because this keeps coming up as a scenario. So Hendon Hooker, ACL tear, right? I believe it was like late November that that happened. So he should probably be getting back to being able to throw and plant his feet maybe this month, if not by next month. But where he can be in terms of preparedness and readiness, I think, has a lot of impact on where you look at him in the draft. Overall, I think if it were maybe not for the injury, maybe we're looking at having him in this discussion somewhere towards the top. But because of the injury, we're maybe talking, would you say late first round for Hendon Hooker? And, you know, as Raiders look to maybe increase their value in a draft class and building a culture and bringing in new guys to fill all the different various holes that they have, would you invest in Hendon Hooker? Yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, he's kind of the wild card of this class, right? You know, it's that top four. And then we're all looking for who's the next guy after that. Like, what if we don't take a guy? Because all those top four guys are pretty much going to go top 10. We know that by now, you know, maybe Levis falls a little bit, but probably not because the quarterback tax, right? So who's the next guy up? Hendon Hooker, to me, he's a polarizing one. I mean, the round one talk is a little rich for me personally. I I look at, you know, it's not the conceptual factors, not just that obviously being a 25 year old rookie isn't ideal, but again, you know, he's pretty young, right? You know, he's a guy who you're still going to have time with. Um, For me, it's more the offense that he comes from. I think that I'm not sure how translatable it is. And I think there's going to be a bigger adjustment for him. You know, even guys like Richardson and Levis, right. They have some adjustments to make, but they are in a more pro ready, you know, pro style. You look at Levis, he does have some progression work now, you know, within that work, he shows the need for improved anticipation and field vision, but he at least has more experience with traditional dropbacks with Hendon Hooker, you know, that Tennessee offense, it was a lot of stacked releases, a lot of predetermined throws, you know, where it's basically just Tillman and Hyatt stacked. And it's like, if Hyatt beats his man, boom, that's where the ball's going. Right. That was what happened a lot. Now that's, you know, and uh, that's kind of, an, um, what's the word sweeping. It is kind of a generalization. It wasn't all that right, but it was a higher frequency of that, you know, quicker reads, not traditional dropbacks. And so, when you saw him take those traditional dropbacks where he's standing in the pocket a little bit more, he didn't always deal with pressure very well. You know, I think the internal clock can be a little hot and cold for him. 
And I think, you know, if he gets the ball out well, if he gets a, if, if, if he gets the ball out quick, you know, he can be efficient, he can be accurate. But when he's encountering adversity, that's when things start to go a little sideways. Now, he does the, have the athleticism. He has the arm talent. We've seen that. You know, I do think he's not quite at the Levis or Richardson level, but he has good talent, right? You can work with that. For me, it's just like, you know, the transition from to the NFL offense. How is that going to impact him? Because a lot was manufactured for him at Tennessee. And that's kind of a concern for me on top of the ACL, on top of the age. Those aren't deal breakers, right? It's just kind of uh, an accumulative effect. So I would take him, I would probably take him day two, you know, mid to late day two is where I consider him. Round one is a little rich for me just because I don't think the talent is at such an elite level for his age and for the offense transitioning questions. But I I do think he's talented. Um, All the reviews for his leadership have been very good. You know, character, he interviews well. And I think that'll help him out. It's just for me, you know, in the NFL, you need to be able to operate within the pocket. And, you know, he, he has good poise on quick throws rpos you know we can do that but let's say you got two or three reads that you need to get through right you know there's a lot of red flags for me in terms of how he sees the field how he encounters pressure how he deals with pressure he's got the athleticism to do it to kind of evade and extend but the poise the ability to stand in and navigate the pocket keep his eyes up that's something that richardson even showed you know and i'm hooker a little more hesitant with him i do think day two is a good range for him but anywhere beyond that i'm a little hesitant that said if you're the raiders and he's there and you can get you know premier talent early on and still get hooker that's a solid situation you know where he doesn't have to start right away and then by the time he turns 26 27 two january's from now you know he'll be kind of rolling out the carpet and he'll be able to start hit the ground running i think you know there's a scenario where that's good right but ultimately if richardson or levis is there i would rather bank on the on the higher level talent Right there. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to break down higher level talent, get into some of these alphas that could show up on defense for the Raiders. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SCN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang. I'm joined with Ian Cummings, a draft analyst for ProFootballNetwork.com. Ian, uh, so far we've broken down a lot of the quarterbacks and what tangibles and intangibles they do and don't have. We spoke a little bit about Jalen Carter, and I want to take it back into that direction now with interior defensive line and where you stack up some of the top guys in the draft or even somebody that you think has a really great spark that can become a great player for the Raiders because to me it seems like Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, they're more invested in building a culture off of smart, intelligent, tough guys that kind of have a chip on their shoulder. Is there somebody that you see in the defensive line, um, mainly interior defensive uh, defense tackle, that is really got those kind of qualities that you think would make somebody that can become a generational talent for the Raiders? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting class. Now, I want to preface, you know, it depends on what you're looking for, what type of defensive lineman you're looking for. You know, I know the Raiders, Patrick Graham, you know, he's on 4-3, he's on 3-4. You know, you'd like yeah. to mix it up a little bit on the front. Yeah. So you need to know, you know, if you need a nose tackle. I know Neil Farrell coming out was, a you know, primarily a 0-1 to one tech for the LSU, so they could roll with him. But if you want an upgrade there, you know, there's 
uh, Siaki Ika, maybe Keanu Benton, you know, a few guys up there. Ben can play three tech too. So okay. it just depends on what you're what you're looking for, right? You know, what kind of mold you're looking for. And I'll start at the top of the board because I think Brian Brissy, you know, when guys uh, talk about who's next up after Carter, that's the first name that comes to mind. You're talking about a guy who can maybe be a generational. You know, I, I won't quite go there, but, you know, he's a five-star recruit. He's got the pedigree. He's an insanely explosive on tape. I mean, off the line, you know, and his pro day was phenomenal. I mean, you, you check that out. Like, it's just pro days are more of a confirmation. Like, it's not something you want to double count, but he does have very good explosiveness, very good lateral agility, ankle flexion, flexibility, and length, too. And then he can use that. He's got violent hands. He's got a working arsenal, too. So I think, you know, Brzee, to me, is one of the more disruptive linemen in the class. And, you know, it's, it's kind of rough for the Raiders because at number seven, you know, that's maybe a little too rich for him, but at the same time, he's not going to last around two. So where do you take him? Maybe you trade down a little bit or trade back up. If he falls to a certain point, uh, medicals could be an issue for him. So we'll see, but you know, I'm a big fan of his talent. Um, there's a few more guys down the board. I look at Kalijah Kansi. You know, he's one that's been trending a lot, a little undersized, and that does concern me. But I think he's he's one of those guys. Now, my projection for him is I'd rather shade him outside a little bit more than he was okay. used. I, I think he's a guy who can maybe, you know, he's enough of an athlete to play at five tech if you need him to, you know, three tech, four eye within that range. Uh, very explosive, violent, you know, again, super twitchy and flexible. Um, but one guy that I really like in that three tech mold too is Adetomiwa Adebaware from Northwestern. He well made that. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, listen, I was at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago, and they had um, Osa Odigizua, Levi sure, Mozarike. Sure. So I, I, yeah. I needed to practice. I needed to practice. But um, Adebaware, is, uh, he's a fun he's a fun player. Uh, he made the headlines at the NFL Combine. He ran a 4.49 at around 6'2", 280, with over 34-inch arms. And one thing about you know what I really like from interior defensive linemen is when you're like 6'2 or shorter, but you've got over 34-inch arms, right? That's natural leverage, so you can get under guys easier. But with those arms, too, you can drive more power. You know, you can hit guys with more force. You can channel that power through your explosiveness, and he can do that. He's got all the tools for it. You know, I love how disruptive he is on tape at his maximum. His hand usage can still be refined a little bit. It can be a little uncontrolled sometimes. But if you're looking for a three tech to, you know, play alongside a nose tackle and let him disrupt one on one, a Deboware is definitely up there on my list. And then I'll throw a few more names out there. I really yeah, like please. this. I throw I really like this interior defensive line class. I think especially in the day two range, if that's where you're looking, you know, there's a lot of fun players. Keanu Benton, I mentioned him earlier. Yes. Big fan of his tape. I think um yep. he played nose a lot at Wisconsin. I do think he can stay there, but at the same time, I think maybe he's a little bit better shading outside because he's another violent, heavy-handed guy. He's got a wicked swim move arm over i mean he's you know he's so quick at that uh but then he's you know he's got the link to pry through very good strength really good stack and shed and run de defense too you know another guy who's got three down utility uh zach pickens from south carolina is another one that i'm a big fan of he's um he doesn't get a ton of hype but he's got a top 75 grade for me uh he's explosive around six three over 300 pounds i think over 34 inch arms again so natural leverage proportional length common theme there but that's that's a good combination to have and you know, again, he's one of those guys who comes off the line very quickly, just a very well-rounded, sound defender. And then Moro Ajomo from Texas. I've been tweeting about him a lot, but he was a guy who at the Shrine Bowl, he just he stood out. He was phenomenal using his power generation to blast guys backward on one rep against Jarrett Patterson, I want to say. Um, or no, not Jarrett Patterson. It was I forgot who it was, but on one rep, uh, he just drove his guy back like 10 yards and just like straight just kept going. Uh, he's around 6'3", 292. And he's got 34 and a half inch arms. So again, 
natural leverage, proportional length, and that shows up on tape at Texas. He's a very good run defender because he can just get right in guys, and then he uses that length to establish an anchor and just hold its positioning too. A little unrefined as a pass rusher, but again, that natural leverage, that power, that power profile, and then I think he had a somewhere in the fives, 40 yard dash, a 33 inch vertical. So he's an athlete too. So he's one of those guys where, you know, just get him, get him in your room. He's got the tools to mold. And he was one guy that I got to interview at the Shrine Bowl. You talk about intelligence. I mean, the dude is crazy smart. I mean, we were talking to him about cryptocurrency for a little okay. bit. You know, like he was going into <laughs> financial analysts and stuff. So okay. you know, he's going to have a future after uh, football. But, you know, in the meantime, Moro Ajomo has all the tools to be a game wrecker on the line. You know, I think those are some of the guys that stand out to me. Um, I'm trying, I'm blanking on nose tackles after Siaki Ika, but Ika is one guy from Baylor that I'm a big fan of too. I think on day two is where you can really get value for him, but his 2021 tape was a little bit better than his 2022, but he's a guy who, you know, he's a, when he, his flashes at his maximum potential, he's got some crazy pass rushing ability for his size. You know, he's got to be more consistent. One thing that's often a concern with nose tackles, especially, you know, is like the stamina can, you know, can you go hundred percent from snap to snap? I think that's something he's still working on. But he's one of the stronger guys in this class. I mean, he can he can hold double teams very well. Uh, Mozzie Smith from Michigan is another guy kind of in that mold. Uh, I think he's one guy who I want to see him deliver on the traits more often. There's some times where, you know, he doesn't hold up quite as well as you'd expect him to with his strength. But he's another one who's super athletic. The flashes are there. He's got lateral agility for his size. He's got explosiveness. He's got heavy hands. He can got he can move past guys, you know, so I think a lot of potential and a lot of different molds and. I could keep going down the list, but this I this can tell you, I don't even know how you retain all of it. It's just in there. <laughs> it just, it's just, like, it, it builds crazy. up through the cycle. Like I'll be honest. Like I just like, <laughs> I love it. it. It's honestly like this part of the cycle is like, you know, people talk about it. Like it's the home stretch. This is where mm -hmm. it all builds up, but mm -hmm. I've done all the, I've done all the work already. So just kind of, yeah, you know, I've got to, I've got to get it all out. Now I've got to start rattling it off, but it's, um, it. yeah, the, the, the moral of the story is this defensive tackle class, a lot of contrasting styles, but a lot of fun players. And I think you could double up too, if you want to, I know the Raiders have 12 picks. So I think it's a good opportunity to do that as well. All right, now I've got a contrasting comparison for you again, and this time it's going to be with cornerbacks because mm -hmm. I've uh, felt a lot of, you know, reading a lot of different things that Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez are two that seem to be right in that top 10 area as well. Uh, how would you compare and contrast their skills? And if you, you know, again, flipping it back to this, if you're at the seven spot, do you grab Christian over, I think you said that earlier that you would, but Christian and, and Devin, what would be the reasons for taking Christian there at seven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are my top two corners for sure. And I think that's kind of the general consensus in this class, right? You know, it's not like other classes where it's kind of up in the air. You know, that's kind of who it is, right? It's it's Gonzalez and Witherspoon kind of up top. Deontay Banks has been moving up recently. And, you know, on my rewatch of him, I came away more impressed. So I, I'll move him up for sure. Uh, but I think you're looking at Gonzalez or Witherspoon for number seven. And for me, personally, Eileen Gonzalez, and that's not a slight to Witherspoon. They're both phenomenal prospects. I think, you know, one thing that when they're that close, right, sometimes you got to lean toward the athletic ceiling. And Witherspoon is a phenomenal athlete. I don't think he tested, but, you know, on tape, you can see the speed is not a concern. The closing speed is not a concern. I mean, he can he can cover guys, he can run with them. And he's very twitchy, very high-energy athlete in short and uh, close quarters, too. That's one thing I really like because if you're a cornerback, you can't get caught flat-footed. you got to be on the move all the time. And mm -hmm. Devin Witherspoon is one guy who exudes that constant energy where he can just match guys just like that. But Gonzalez, to me, you know, I think he measured in around six foot one, around 200 pounds. He's got length, right? But then at the same time, 
I think he ran in the four threes, I want to say, over 40-inch vertical. So he's explosive. Yeah. He's fast. And that shows up on tape, too. I mean, he's one guy who it's it's effortless for him. It really is. I mean, some guys have to strain, really drive their knees when they're accelerating, but he just does it, you know, like it's second nature, you know, gearing up and, and tracking guys downfield. It's very easy for him. Everything is easy. And on top of the explosiveness, I mean, for his size, too, very fluid, often with guys that are six foot one or taller it can be tough for them to redirect and sink their hips and really change directions and match with guys. It's one reason why, you know, some people were a little hesitant with Tariq Woolen last year, part of probably why okay. he fell to round five. And then he ends up going and becoming a phenomenal player with the Seahawks. But I think, you know, Christian Gonzalez a little bit shorter, right? So he doesn't quite have that issue, but even at six foot one, he's incredibly fluid. He transitions effortlessly in open space. And, you know, he's very good at, you know, he's very intelligent too. His eyes are always in the right spot and zone coverage. He can change directions on a dime and make plays when the ball's in the air. I mean, I just, I love the the zone skill set for him, but I also think he has the easy athleticism and the discipline, you know, and coverage too, to play and press and, and off man and really be that guy. So, you know, it's, it's close for each of them. I think Witherspoon right now is a little more physical, which is kind of, kind of weird, you know, a small, the, the smaller of the two, but he's definitely more physical. He's, he's an alpha. He's got a chippy mentality, but Gonzalez is not a slouch by any means. He, he plays with swag. He's got really good athleticism, really good length, ball skills. I think he just checks more boxes at the end of the day, okay. but they're both really good cornerback prospects. And I would consider both of them. It's just when they're that close, I go with the better size speed profile. This has been great. And I just have a couple more for you. I just want to get all of the, the with all the stats yeah. you've been holding in there. I want them <laughs> all. Um, okay. So here's two more uh, defensive end. Who's your favorite pick? Defensive end. Do yeah. you, are you, are you talking three, four defensive end or edge rusher? Well, I guess edge rusher. I, I'd rather see edge rusher for the Raiders and get some more exterior, you know, somebody to set outside of max. I got you. And is this yeah. round one exclusively or can no. you go down the board? No, okay. All right. Well, if, if they did go round one, if they did go round right. one, I, I would think, uh, it's tough because of that pick will anderson's off the board obviously i mean he's not gonna last through the top five i think maybe tyree wilson is off the board maybe he's not right. uh, there's a few power rushers that i would like wilson is one that i would consider i think it's really interesting because they're all kind of similar tyree wilson miles murphy from clemson and then lucas van ness from iowa is the other one that's been considered there uh they're all pretty high on my board i think tyree wilson is the one that's gotten the most hype to this point really violent really powerful six foot six 275 pounds 36 inch arms right so that's kind of you know power is a function of your explosiveness your length how how much can you channel and he's got it all like he's got you know whatever the maximum power capacity is for a player he's pretty close to that point i mean he's incredibly proficient at driving forward and blasting tackles off their spot uh, and he's got flashes of good hand usage on tape too he's got a cross chop swim that he's shown uh, i think that he can develop into a real uh, into a game record on the edge you know with the proper development i think miles murphy for me is the highest one out of those three right now i think okay. um his athleticism is very translatable again you go back to foot speed uh stride frequency i mean he's such a high energy athlete for his size and he's around six foot five 265 uh, i think his pro day is going to be early april so we'll get to see the testing numbers but he is uh, a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal specimen, and then his length as well. He can drive power forward, very good at driving into the torso and maximizing that exertion, getting guys off their spot, and he can stack moves off of it too. I think Lucas Van Ness is the he's the most raw of those three. You know, he's pretty much just a power rusher right now, which is okay. You know, you can you can stack off that, you can build off of that. I think um he's explosive, right? He's got lateral athleticism. I like Van Ness too because 
He can play at five tech. He can play outside. You can rotate him in, though, as well. You know, he showed he could play three tech at Iowa, even at his size and still be disruptive. Um, And he's also very good. Often with taller guys, they're not always the best at dropping their hips and fully acquiring leverage into contact. Lucas Van Ness does it without even, you know, without even any second thought. Like it's just he drops his hips and instantly gets inside the torso. He's just so natural at it for a six foot five guy. It's not you. It's not normal for a guy that size to so effortlessly drop and, and acquire leverage. And so I think that's something that he can build off of and be very good at at the next level. Um, he's got the the longest developmental track because his hand usage isn't quite there yet, but he's one of those guys that I really like. I think um, those three are in consideration at number seven. If you pass up on those guys, though, uh, the day two range is, is flush with options. I mean, you know, again, there's guys, Derek Hall from Auburn. I'll just throw out a few names. They're going to be sure, rapid fire. Sure. Just kinda, That's it's great. Like, it's like one of those lotto machines in my head, just like whichever one pops in, you know, <laughs> but I think uh, Derek Hall from Auburn. <laughs> Okay. Is one that I like. He tested well. He's got really good speed to power. Um, this isn't a player comp, but you know, just stylistically, sure. Arnold Ebicady from the uh, last year's cycle. He went second round of the Falcons. Reminds me a little bit of him. Just you know, he's got he's around six three, two fifties, uh, but he's got almost thirty five inch arms. So very powerful. He can drive that power with that you know, with that profile, and he's got pretty good hand usage too. Um, I look at Isaiah Foskey if he's there in round two. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of him in round two. Yeah. Really good value. Another guy who's explosive, high energy, hot motor, uh, really good speed to power, very good run defender as well. Um, BJ Ojulari, if you're looking for a stand-up edge rusher, stand-up OLB, uh, he's a finesse rusher, but he's explosive. Again, very agile, and he can use hand moves to win around the apex. So big fan of him. Will McDonald, Iowa State. Another guy who really flashed the senior bowl. Um, he's an interesting case because he was actually, I think, misused at Iowa State. They put him at four eye a lot, which is kind of weird inside the tackle. And yeah. he's a guy who's like six four, uh, you know, high two thirties. So it's like not a guy that you'd expect to play there. But I think in the NFL, where he's going to be outside the tackle more often, he's explosive. He's got bend. He's got lateral agility. He's got a working arsenal of hand moves. So, you know, I think especially with a team like the Raiders opposite Max Crosby, you know, he was coming out. He was one of those guys who had the length, the athleticism, just really needed to hone it. And he did. Yeah. And, you know, he's become a pro bowler. So I think Will McDonald could follow a similar, similar track. Um there's so many more. I'm trying to Isaiah McGuire from Missouri is one that I like a lot. Uh, he's around six foot four, two seventy, so he's got a really good power profile. But he's explosive. He's actually pretty bendy too for his size. There's some pretty surprising flashes on tape of him turning the corner and and you know kind of apexing and you know getting around the tackle and breaching the pocket. And then he played against Broderick Jones at Georgia, and he really drove him back with power a couple of times. I mean, it was not it was not the mismatch that you would expect from a first round pick like Broderick Jones. Isaiah McGuire gave him trouble. So on day three, if he's still there, I would love to get those traits in house, but this edge class is very fun. I think even in the later rounds, there's some guys who flash at the shrine bowl. That could be very good developmental options. I think, especially for the Raiders, if you're looking to not only add a talent opposite Crosby, but also get developmental talent, kind of increase the depth of that unit. You know, you need, you need a deep rotation at the edge position. You always need that. And I think, you know, if you can never have enough pass rushers, this is a great class to add more. I love that. Thanks so much for all of your time. The last question was, what are you working on? What can we find? Uh, where can we find all of the work that you're putting out from your analysis? Yeah. So right now I'm just working on scouting report rewrites, just kind of going through, making sure that we've covered all our bases, right? There are a few reports that we need to kind of add updates to, right? So just getting that going, you know, and that's an arduous process, right? But we're, we're kind of crossing our T's and dotting our I's at this point. We're, we're almost there, but um, you can find my work 
at IC draft or IC underscore draft on Twitter. Um, that's where I'm, you know, posting clips about, you know, pro days and stuff like that. That's kind of where we're at right now too, following the pro days, as you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of interesting information coming from that, but, um, yeah, aside from that mock drafts occasionally, but we're almost there. We are under a month away. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bittersweet when it's finally all over, but it's been a fun process and, you know, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it as well. Appreciate it again. That's Ian Cummings, profootballnetwork.com. You find him on Twitter at IC underscore, just like he said. Uh, draft is the final word there. So thank you again so much for your time. I want to remind everybody here listening to hit subscribe uh, and also check out all of our other podcasts that we have on VegasNation.com. For Ian Cummings, I'm Heidi Fang. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Vegas Nation podcasts are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up.